suffering is real in this world, but Job's story didn't end in suffering. Christ suffered on the cross, but his story didn't end there. And I kept hanging on to that hope. Whether my life ended here on earth or in heaven, it's not going to end with the suffering. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Those moments when your spirit cries out, Why, God? Why us? Why now? Times of sorrow and brokenness. Is he in the midst of it? You don't want to miss this story and this message of hope. What do you think about when you look at me? I know we're not the fairy tale you dream we'd be. You wore the veil, you walked the aisle, you took my hand. And we dove into a mystery. that Casting Crown song, Broken Together. Hi, this is Dr. Tim Clinton, president of the American Association of Christian Counselors and your host here on Life, Love, and Family. You know, life is filled with all kinds of turns and curves and hills and valleys. And there are moments when we weep, we mourn, we grieve. How do you make it through those times? If you or someone you love is going through a difficult moment, you don't want to miss today's program. Our special guest is Georgia Schaefer. She's a credentialed life coach and a licensed psychologist in Pennsylvania. She's the author of numerous books, including Taking Out Your Emotional Trash, Coaching the Coach, and A Gift of Morning Glories, Restoring Your Life After Loss. That's our subject today. She was the recipient of the American Association of Christian Counselors Award for Excellence in Christian Caregiving. She specializes in coaching women and communicators. Georgia, thanks for taking time to join us on Life, Love, and Family. Oh, Tim, great to be with you. Georgia, as we get started, I know in the book of Job it says, man who is born of woman is but a few days and full of trouble. It seems, Georgia, some people, I think, probably have an extra dose of that. After going through your most recent work, A Gift of Morning Glories, I don't think I'll ever have another conversation with you that's quite the same. Let me say um, it's, it's a joy to know you. And, and Georgia, I want you to, to take our listeners on a personal journey into your heart, 
into the pain you've experienced. If you could share with us some of that, and we're going to obviously talk a lot about the hope that lies deep within you that keeps you going every day. Yeah. Well, 28 years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, which turns out it was a very aggressive, came back six months later, and I was given a 2% chance to be alive in 10 years. My son was only eight, so that meant I had a 2% chance to see him graduate from high school. I had aggressive chemotherapy radiation, but the tough thing was the bone marrow transplant. It just about killed me. And my son described me during that time. He said, Mom, you are a ghost in a shell. And then I went through a divorce, and I lost my job because it was too weak to go back. So slowly over time, and it took me years, I rebuilt my life. But rebuilding is not a once-and-done process. Three and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. And no, I never smoked. But the good news is I didn't have to go through a divorce, just a broken engagement. So God's given me a lot of experiences on rebuilding, and I realize it's a life skill we all need, but few of us have been taught what the process looks like. Yeah. George, I want to just stop right here for a moment and have you speak to those who are listening who are in a deep uh, water moment. Um, Maybe they're feeling overwhelmed, they're lost, they're confused, they're angry, they're fearful. You plug in the word. How about the word lonely? Uh, Georgia, can you just speak to her? Can you speak to him for a moment? Just say something to him. Yes, if you're looking to your future and you can't see anything ever getting better, so often during that time, I just buried my head in my hands and cried, God, please, please help me. And honestly, he did. Not as fast as I wanted, but he was there in a, a mighty way. So be willing to just not give up and the pain you think is going to destroy you. But eventually, you can become a better person. Obviously, part of that journey, Georgia, is dealing with the why question because it's one thing to say, turn to God, that he's there. But it's another thing to realize how frustrated, how angry, how disappointed you are in God for allowing this to happen, especially when... You've gone through deep waters like you have, and you have a boy you're trying to embrace and love on. Tell us a little bit about Kyle, too, just for a second. Yeah, it was really hard on him because he was very young, and then having a divorce, your family breaking up. But he he really gave me a, a lot of strength to just keep on going. He was very encouraging and supporting of me, even at a young age. And I'll tell you, My hope was in Christ, and I think during that time, I wanted to pass that on to Kyle. I wanted him to have his hope in Christ, too. And fast forward years later, he was a full scholarship, a swimmer in college, and right before his last NCAA meet, he was writing in his journal, and he said, Thank you, Mom. You taught me to have faith and never give up. Well, we're going to go on that journey together with you as our listener. Again, our special guest today is Georgia Schaefer. She's a professional life coach. She's also a licensed psychologist. Uh, She's an expert in ministering and helping women and communicators and more. But she understands the journey of grief. And God has, I think, called her to uh, really a marvelous gift to us all in this new work called 
a gift of morning glories. Georgia, in this work, and uh, you certainly have been lecturing on and ministering to people who have gone, who are going through loss, uh, you start out with the very first step you've got to take is you have to give yourself time to grieve. I don't think any of us do that well at all. Tell us what you mean by giving yourself time to grieve. You were talking about why, God. Time to ask the whys. People say, never ask God why. But that's a real question. Like Job, we don't always know the answer, but... You know, it's still, it's an issue of getting honest, protesting the pain, what we don't like, lamenting over what we wish could be. And that can take lots of time, depending on what we've suffered. But if we go through that time of grief, we eventually get to the place that we can at least accept, even though we would not have chosen what has happened. And we can say, hey, I survived this pain, this inconsolable pain, but now what? Yeah. I'm thinking of C.S. Lewis in his book, A Grief Observed, Georgia, when he said he felt it was even difficult to get up in the morning and shave. Mm -hmm. When you're lost in this world of chaos and confusion and grief begins to just overwhelm you, it's tough. Oh, yeah. It's tough to even think straight let alone, what do you mean, find a way to grieve or whatever? We've talked a lot about how grief is kind of a process, the old Kubler-Ross stages of grief and loss and more. Can you take us on a journey, help some people understand what that means or what it looks like? Because it's not just sitting down and weeping. There's a lot more to this. Yeah, some days you want to cry and you can't, and other days you can't stop crying. And you can experience, while you're grieving, every emotion in the book, and you can experience it within minutes. It's a real difficult event. And you're right about getting out of bed. There's days I just wanted to pull the sheets over my head and stay in bed. And I really think I'm big on having people around you who will encourage you, support you, getting, talking to a counselor, being in a support group, whatever, because we need people around us during this time. Georgia, some talk about having a grief time. Obviously, you can't just sit around and be lost all day long. How do you manage this? How do you pick it up? Because certainly grief does come in waves, but do you recommend that people just designate a certain amount of time a day or a week or something like that and call it their grief time where they just dedicate those moments to, I guess, the painful journey of where they're at? What I found most helpful, and I did not discover this right away, sometimes the pain's on the front burner. You just can't get away from it. You have to deal with it. And then other times, it'll move to the back burner. Like you're saying, the waves come in, the waves go out. What did not work is wallowing the pain or busying myself and ignoring it. What worked best for me is trying to do things that lift my spirits. And it might only be temporary, but things that gave me a sense of hope. And then making sure I allowed time. And if people were real busy, it might mean carving out time. I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of talking and praying in my journal to God during that time. But you have times where you're distracting yourself, even for a little bit, but you don't want to stay there. And then you have times where you confront the pain. 
And little by little, you can work yourself through that. And if you really uh, have a clear understanding of the grieving process, you realize that anger is a part of grieving. You realize that depression can be in the midst of your grieving journey. You can recognize that, yeah, even the denial process can be a part of the, the grieving process. Not that you want to stay stuck in there. It's just that people often go through these different phases, if you will. And you're right. They often are cyclical. They come at unexpected times and more. But Georgia, what do you do when you really kick into a despair moment? Or what do you do when you feel like you're just totally abandoned, alone, and you're in the desert in grief? Well, for me, what I did is get honest with God and tell him exactly how I feel. And sometimes I just said, I don't like this. I don't want this. God, you've got to be real to me. And again, that re- those relationships, there were days I, I just would send a text or call somebody and say, you've got to pray for me because I'm really having a tough day. Just pray for me. And how would you keep going? Well, as I mentioned earlier, my son, and also finding some sense of meaning and purpose. I tended to do it more recently with lung cancer, finding some sense of meaning and purpose in it. How is this going to make me more compassionate? How can I reach out and help others? How is this helping me gain inner strength? And understanding just all the pain you're talking about that people are facing, understanding that that is so real and such a heart-wrenching place to be. I know that your second step, and maybe I jumped ahead a little bit on you, but you talked about giving yourself time to grieve. You talk about investigate and observe. Uh, talk to me about that. I know you, you quoted a verse out of Acts, I think, 28, where it says, Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to perceive your will, God. What should I be doing in this phase of investigating and observing? Yeah, this is a tough one. It's being intentional to look beyond the obvious. In my case, the dark circles under my eyes, the fact my life was threatened. Nothing changed around me, but the shift comes within the way I look at my situation, the way I perceive. And boy, this is tough stuff. I find counselors and coaches are really helpful because we get stuck in our perception of whatever it is. But I have a quote in the book by Golda Meir, and I just love this. By her own omission, she was a prime minister of Israel years ago. She wasn't an attractive woman physically. And she said, not being beautiful was the true blessing. Not being beautiful forced me to develop my inner resources. The pretty girl has a handicap to overcome. Talk about looking at a situation differently. How many of us think a pretty girl has a handicap? And so you develop new eyes, I guess, as a part of this journey. Yes, yes. What happened, again, uh, inside of you? Some other nuggets or verses or thoughts that began to help shape the world you found yourself in? name of the book, A Gift of Morning Glories, is based on an unwanted gift I was given, a packet of morning glory seeds. And the day I thought I had no place, a trellis in my garden, and the day I realized I could use the railing outside my kitchen door is really the day that I just was more open to what God was doing and watching Him. I loved the book of Ruth. 
I would read that over and over, those two destitute women. And one of the phrases that kept jumping out at me was, as it turned out, as it turned out, Ruth went to the field of Boaz. As it turned out, Boaz was a distant relative, a kinsman redeemer. And so I started watching for God's hand much more carefully. The third step in this healing journey, you talk about finding the value, and you alluded to that earlier, but finding the value in the moment or in your pain, not easily done, not easily done at all, Georgia, but somewhere actually, I guess, anchoring it in the amazing belief that God's in the midst of it, that he's doing something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. First of all, I realized I had taken my life for granted, and so that gave me the chance to reprioritize my life. But you're right. I think the biggest thing, and I hear this over and over, people say, I experienced God during that difficult time like I never experienced Him before. And that is so true. And you get the opportunity. I mean, there I was, single mom, no job, fighting for my life, and you talk about weak and having few resources and life looking overwhelming. But during that, I got to see what God could do because his hand was so much more clear and how he just kept reaching out and little things. The littlest thing could encourage me to keep on keeping on. How do you rise above, Georgia, the angst or anxiety, the anger part toward God to the acceptance piece of believing that he weeps with you and that he's in it and that he is carrying you, that he's embracing you, that he's a father with a tender heart toward you. How do you make those shifts? The book of Job, there's another book in the Bible that helped me a lot. I mean, here is a man that was suffering real time. And just reading some of his phrases, the scriptures, the things that Job said, it was like, he was given a voice to the words or the feelings that were struggling inside of me. Suffering is real in this world, but Job's story didn't end in suffering. Christ suffered on the cross, but his story didn't end there. And I kept hanging on to that hope, whether my life ended here on earth or in heaven, it's not going to end with the suffering. Step four, take the risk. What does that mean? What do we need to do? Oh, boy, this is one I didn't see coming. Loss brings pain, but we forget so does new growth, creating that new normal. And there were times I would muster up all my courage, step out. At one point, it was just rebuilding my strength, getting out for a walk, but there was a lot of anxiety around that. I'd walk too far, too fast, and spend the next day in bed. And one day, I just pushed myself out the door, and I was bit by a neighbor's dog. And that's such a perfect example of when we're trying to step out. We gotta take risks and sometimes we get hurt in the process. And so we gotta keep putting ourselves out and keep trying, even though it hurts. That's a scary step, taking the risk, because there's a lot of barriers, a lot of challenges as you're rebuilding. Yeah, there is. It's hard. It's so hard. Oh, it is. In the midst of it, because you feel paralyzed and this lack of control and more, it just, it precipitates a lot of just, not just unrest, it's just confusion and chaos. And it creates a paralysis. At least that's what I've seen, Georgia. Absolutely. 
Martin Seligman talks about learned helplessness. And you learn from these circumstances. There's so much you can't control. And part of you, you just want to go to that helpless state. Now, the truth is we don't have control over everything, but we still can make a difference in the world with God's help. His word says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And so many times during that stepping out, taking a risk, I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. And God did instruct me and teach me in the way to go. And I had to muster up a lot of courage. And I found being around people who are courageous, reading stories of people who have made it out the other side, you know, reading scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to pour courage into me. That was invaluable. And then finally, you talk about sharing your gifts with others. When we learn to give, it, it's inherently therapeutic. You find that you're... Your life, your message has meaning and purpose for others at the same time because he's the, the father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort who comforts us so that we in turn can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm-hmm. But it's hard, Georgia. It's hard. It's so hard to go there when you're still waiting like a child with extended arms up toward God saying, please, God, please help me. Yet, in all honesty, I didn't get to the point of sharing my gifts till further down the road. I would like to say I got there sooner, but you're right. What do you share? You and you know, this is what gives meaning to these difficult events. Is that point of sharing, reaching out, share your story. My story is God's story. I wouldn't be here without His hand in my life. Share your heart. I find people are often passionate about reaching out to people who are going through similar life-altering events. And then share your hope. Uh, As Christians, the hope in Christ, which is the only hope we have. Georgia, give yourself time to grieve, investigate, observe, find the value, take the risk, share the gifts, your gifts with others. But it's... Back to you, one step in front of the other, hoping, believing, trusting, and yet every day facing more grief, more sorrow, more sadness. Somewhere in there, maybe there's one special nugget. Is it a relationship? Was there a a verse, a thought? What was it that has really gripped your spirit? I'd say Psalm 126.5. Those who sow... Sow in tears. Yeah, will reap with songs of joy. I'm a gardener. That verse spoke volumes to me because I know when I plant a seed for a flower, I will not get a flower the next day. So those who sow in tears, it's a process. It's a longer process, but who makes that seed grow? God. And one day we'll reap with songs of joy. And that just helped me understand that it takes time. But if I sow that seed, one day I will reap that deep joy that only God can bring. Uh, Would you mind, Georgia, maybe just speaking again to our listeners? We're out of time here, but I, I want your heart to go to each of them, even now in this moment, in the midst of their journey right now. What would it be? What's the gift that you would give to them? I'd say don't give up, because I wanted to give up so many times. Don't give up. Be patient. 
Take one step at a time, praying with God. Make him your best friend and watch what he will do. And daily, I write in my journal daily what I'm grateful for. And even in the midst of this mess, try to find some sense of meaning and how you can live purposefully with the time and the resources you do have. Georgia, thanks for taking time to share your story with us. It's quite a message of hope. And our prayer is that God will will speak and shout into your life great gifts of grace and more to you. Thanks for being a part of our lives here on Life, Love, and Family. Thank you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my bed. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto I feel afraid, think I've lost my way, still you're there right beside me. Nothing will I fear, as long as you are near, please be near me to the Our special guest again today has been Georgia Schaefer. She's the author of a new book, a book you need to get in your hands. It's called A Gift of Morning Glories. It really is, in my mind, grace for grieving. I don't think I really fully understand the journey that Georgia's been on. Can't imagine that kind of loss and challenge in life. Maybe that's where you're at too. But there is one who does understand. And he's the one who's been with you the whole time. I know you may be angry in your heart, your soul, you may be confused, you wonder about God's love to you, but let me remind you, he's a God who weeps with you. He's a God who one day promises to take all that away. And he's the God who will give you the strength, even right now in your journey. Turn your heart toward him. We're all broken people, and without him, there isn't any hope. I hope you'll take this verse with you today. Psalm 34, verse 18. It says, The Lord, he's nigh to those who have a broken heart, and he saves the crushed in spirit. God, I pray that you would do that this day for each one listening right now whose heart is so heavy, whose heart is overwhelmed. Let them know of your presence and your power. Save us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.
Dr. Tim Clinton for Life, Love, and Family. If we can be of help to you, visit us at lifeloveandfamily.net or call us toll-free, 855-455-3264. Thanks for listening. Life, Love, and Family. Women in Depression, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women addicted to alcohol or drugs, get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women with anxiety or eating disorders, trauma, and PTSD, get confidential help. Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center. 1-877-257-9612 or timberlineknowles.com.